who, my name is David, and as ever, I am joined by the carnivorous Matt. Hello there. So, bit of a big one today. Yeah, um, two-parter. Two-parter, written by Stephen Moffat, his first two-parter since uh-huh. uh, series one. Yep. And for those who <laughs> haven't already guessed, it's, it's uh, Silence of the Library, Forest of the Dead. And yep. the reason I say it's a big one is because, unlike, say, Blink, which the general public knows is, you know, meant to be one of these masterpieces of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I don't think Silence of the Library and Forest of the Dead has that same reputation within the general public. People aren't going to necessarily recognise those episode titles. But those within the fandom, mm-hmm. by and large, would claim it to be something of a masterpiece. So, that being the case, <laughs> no pressure that. How did you rate this episode? There's only one part of this episode I didn't like. But it's quite a biggie. Ooh, right. Okay. So, on the whole, I liked the sort of overall idea. Mm-hmm. I liked the enemy. Yeah. I liked the new characters introduced. Yeah. yeah. But there's just one thing. And when we get there, I'll address it. That, okay. And it it's something... I just considered it a bit lazy and a bit unfulfilling sure. when we reach yeah. the end. Okay, well we'll, um, we'll 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 get there when we get there. Um, but but overall, fairly happy with it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah not oh, not the yeah. worst we've seen by far. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for you, that's that's pretty much effusive praise, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I just cast my mind back. Maybe the best we've seen this series. Probably, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's you'd be hard pressed to think of a stronger episode. I mean, you. To be honest, you've not really enjoyed much of series four, so no, far, have you? No, uh, I've, I've basically liked the character of Donna, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, that being the case, I wonder if because mm-hmm. we're getting towards the end of the RTD era. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's just. He's retreading old ground, got a bit stale, and when we get a new showrunner, it might freshen things up. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's certainly a possibility. Um, so, that being the case, shall we just get stuck into yep. uh, the episode? So, we begin with a girl floating over a city. Now, I had to check, because I don't think the girl's named at all in the episode. No. And when I checked, she's just called The Girl, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, and she's relaying this idea of floating over a city to her psychiatrist, Doctor Pl- Moon. Yeah, played by Colin Salmon, who oh, I only know from this Doctor Who uh, story. He's, he's in quite a lot, but weirdly, where I recognise him from is the terrible Resident Evil film. <laughs> right, but uh, I, I've definitely seen him in more than that. Um, well, I, for what it's worth, I think he's fantastic in this. Story. Yeah, he does does um, a good yeah. job. Definitely. Yeah. Um, because rather than floating over a city, they're actually in a living room. Mm-hmm. And the girl tells him that she goes to the library when she closes her eyes. Yeah. And she's talking him through like a walkthrough of the library. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, there's like a banging on the library door. Yeah. And she says somebody's breaking in and she's distressed. She's yeah. the only person ever in the library. Yeah, she says no one should be there. And it's the Doctor and Donna burst yes. through the door. Yeah. And then we cut to the title. So immediately we know 
the Doctor and Donna inside this girl's brain. Yeah, that's the thing. It's such a, it's such a, a, a trippy uh, cold open, isn't it? In, in, I think it's, it's a really, really effective hook for See, the episode. I got excited at the idea that maybe this episode it might not be aliens. <laughs> 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 so, the Doctor and Donna are actually in the 51st... Sorry, the 51st century. Yeah. Uh, they leave the TARDIS and they're going to the library. Yes. So it's so big it doesn't need a name. Is the doctor yeah, says. it's the library. Yeah. It's planet sized. It has every book ever written. Yeah. That's such a nerd's fantasy, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> like, because there must be a lot of crap in there. I mean, well, he, he lists some of the things, didn't he? He says, you know, Jeffrey Archer and uh, stuff like that. It's It's... Yeah, it's everything. It's not just the good stuff. Yeah, like, what? What do you think is like the worst book that would be in there? Don't say the Bible. <laughs> I don't know the worst book. I I, I tell you I tell you what I books. hate. Yeah. What I absolutely hate. Yeah. So I read a lot of like fantasy novels. Yeah. I hate it when I go to Waterstones and there's like parody fantasy. Oh like, God, yeah. Board of the Rings and yeah. Barry Trotter oh, instead God. of Harry they, Potter. They they're so the lazy. worst. They are so lazy, aren't they? They're, yeah. Like, they're awful. I don't know. You know, there's probably just a like, Bernard Manning joke book in there or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's gonna, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. There will be some absolute tripe in there. Yeah, I suppose there'll be some proper right wing fanaticism. Oh yeah, yeah, like the yeah, like books by like John Gorman. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh, dear. Yeah. Unpleasant thought, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's where they've gone. Yeah. Um, so the Doctor uses a computer that says, "Within this planet, there are a million million life forms." So immediately your suspicions are aroused because there's no one there. Yeah. You'd think even on a planet wide scale, yeah. a million million. Yes. You would notice at least some form of life. But yeah, interestingly, when he does the initial search, it comes up with just two. Yes. Doctor and Donna. And then when he widens the parameters, not just to humanoid life, that's but right. Any yeah. form of life, that's when we get this this uh, you know, impossibly huge figure. It could just be bacteria. Yeah, let's not let's you know. not get all science teacher on this show. Yeah, we? but that could just be on him. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So they are greeted by a statue, and I've called it a statue because I couldn't think what else to call it. Yeah, it's like I think they referred to it in the, in the episodes as almost like it's it's. It reminds me actually of uh, Henry Moore. Do you know the sculptor? No. Fa- quite a famous 20th century British sculptor who who uh, did sort of abstract human right. statues. So, so it was all sweeping curves and uh, and things like that that gives the impression of a human body but without really uh, giving you it, 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 like as I say it's an abstracted form of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah I think that, would, that was probably an inspiration for the design of these, these uh, sort of statue modules. Yeah so this one, it's like a tall, almost like a pedestal. Yeah. With a face built into the side. Yeah, it's sort of like you've got the main torso section of the statue and then like a a head bit mounted on a pole. And it's sort of like it's facing away and it sort of slowly tick, 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 
turns around to face uh, the Doctor and Donna, and it has a human face on it. Yeah, is it at this point where they tell you where the face has come from? They've not made it, they don't specifically say, because Donna says, you know, uh, oh, it's just like a, um, is it just like a sort of facsimile? And the Donna says, don't worry about it. So he, yeah. he, he doesn't like specifically say, well, it, but. It, it's a donation, isn't it? Yes, it, it says it, that the, the aspect, I think they call it a flesh aspect. Yeah. Has been donated so by it, this person. They say it's the equivalent of a plaque on a bench. Yeah. So yeah. rather than donating your body to science, you yeah. can donate it to the library. Yeah. And the, and, the, and it's implied that the way these things work is that they will they have like this data bank mm-hmm. effectively of different faces, and they will manifest a different one depending on who's talking to them. They will try and choose a visage which is comfortable and yeah. Uh, for for the person, so it chooses this face yeah. that's nice and comfortable, very welcoming. Yeah. Although it immediately tells them to run, <laughs> count the shadows. Yeah. So, the reason they've come to the library is the doctor received a message on his psychic paper. Mm-hmm. Have we ever seen him receive messages before? I don't know that we have. On See, the my paper my understanding before, of the psychic paper is it shows what he wants it to show. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen it receive. No, I don't believe we have yet. No, so this is first time you're seeing that. But obviously, it's you know, it, it's not a massive stretch. If it's a psychic tool that, if anyone has the ability to psychically link to it somehow, mm-hmm. you could theoretically do that. So it basically just says, "We need help. Come to the library." Yeah. So that's the reason for yeah. them being there. With a little kiss. That's right. Yeah. And as he shows that, the lights begin to flick off in sort of horror trope way. Yeah, the furthest yeah. light flicks off and the yeah, shadows yeah. are getting closer and yeah. closer. So they run away from the darkness yeah. into nice, a room. Yeah, nice and early. We're getting a bit of running about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they run away from the shadows into a room and that is then from the beginning of the episode yes. entering yeah. the room from yeah. the little girl's perspective. So, so we've, we've seen it from the little girl's perspective now we're caught up with Doctor and Donna's perspective. Yeah. And from theirs it's pretty much atypical adventure. Yeah. It's not like the TARDIS has been shaking and trying to be like oh no we've landed in some strange parallel world and are we trapped in a girl's mind? No, no, no. no. They've just gone, They've to, just a gone to a planet that happens to be yeah. this girl's mind. Yeah. So while they speak to the girl she appears to them as like a security drone. It's yeah. like a floating globe. And I, can I say, I love the design of that. Because it's, it's like an antique wood finish. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got and it's got a readout that is like a like an old school LED scrolling. scrolling. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is distinctly re- like it's two different forms of retro mashed together. Yeah. So as the girl yeah speaks to them you sort of get the footage of her rolling around on the floor screaming yeah. but her words are appearing on this LED yeah yeah because yeah. the doctor is um, is this where he's sort of like he's trying to figure out what's going on and he's, so he's just starts sonicking it and yeah. yeah and so she's getting like this splitting headache from the sonic screwdriver yeah. Um, and, and yeah so he realises that oh god it's alive mm. somehow yeah. so the doctor tells Donna they're safe and not to worry because there's a little shop. So that's a nice little <laughs> hike back. Yeah. Yep. And they realise there's a shadow 
So there's like a skylight above them. Yeah. Light from, I don't want to say the sun, but yeah. the closest star. Yeah. Beaming through. And there's just a shadow. Yeah. So the doctor says, what is causing that? Yeah. What is casting that? And at this point, loads of spacemen enter the room. Yeah. Did you see that coming? <laughs> just like... Yeah. Well, when did they get there? Earlier, presumably. But then why didn't they show up on the Doctor's scanned life form? Uh, or maybe they have just arrived then, yeah. They yeah. must have just arrived. Coincidental. Um, but one of the... Well, is it coincidence? Well, who knows? I mean, no, it, it definitely isn't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the spacemen is Steve Pemberton from League of Gentlemen fame. He is indeed. So there's our British comedy. Yeah, uh, yeah. so he's Doctor playing... Who loves a British... Uh, comedy guest actor he's playing Stackman Lux yeah and the Lux family are the creators of the library yes so I've called them spacemen but they're on like an archaeological historical mission because has it been a hundred years that it's been yes. abandoned the yes. library yeah and and yeah you know they, they, they flat out say they are archaeologists like um and the, the, like the, the doctor when he's, he's realising this says you know oh god don't tell me you're archaeologists mm. and the leader like of the ex- tomb of the Cybermen yeah all those bloody cranks yeah and well um, the leader of the expedition played by uh, Alex Kingston is that River Song that's River Song yeah. uh, she uh, says uh, why have you got a problem with archaeologists to which the doctor retorts I'm a time traveller I point and laugh at archaeologists <laughs> So, yeah. whilst in conversation with the archaeologists, the Doctor works out that they're up against the Vashta Narada, mm. which is like a shadow monster. Well, it's like... Yes. Piranhas the, of the air. Yeah, that's the what they're called. the describes them. And they're basically a shadow that can consume anything that passes through it. Yeah. So they throw like a chicken wing through yeah. it. And, and just... It, a bone appears yeah, on the other side of the instantly. show. Yeah, and and uh, uh, he explains as well that they exist all, all over the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, you know, it's not just here, but it, obviously normally they're in deep dark forests and it's, you know, they're tucked out of the way. It's, uh, and in far smaller numbers. Yes. So you might have a little nibble, mm-hmm. but, it's it, but then he also says, you know, sometimes people go into jungles, never return. You know, you know, people do go missing. <laughs> so, um, and the thing that I specifically wanted to mention here is, is he also mentions that, you know, when you see dust floating in a shaft of light, maybe sometimes. And that is classic Stephen Moffat just throwing that in there (laughs) just to freak out kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's very good at like picking something every day and turning it into something terrifying. Well, it's like when we had Blink, and at the end we got the cutaway to all the different statues. Yeah, yeah. It's just just to to put the willies out for kids. Uh, You know, he, he he. Earns my admiration for that. <laughs> so it's also in this conversation that we get the first hint that River knows the Doctor, but the Doctor doesn't know River. 
So yes. at some point in her past, but in the Doctor's, Doctor's future, future. Yeah. they've met. Yes. So she sort of stares at him and says, "Oh, you look so young." Yeah. And he he's like, "Oh, really? No, because you know he's yeah. you know hundreds of years old, but he so. really doesn't know." what's going on on that front no no and it, it really yeah it, he's he's completely wrong-footed by by this and she seems a bit sort of shaken up as well as you because she's expecting to meet an old friend but that, yeah, yeah it's it, it's just the, the, the timelines are just completely off so so yeah the doctor manages to hijack the library phone system mm-hmm. uh it rings the house phone of the girl but only she can hear it. Yes. So, yeah. she, we haven't really talked about it, but in her house, she lives with her father. Yeah, it's a quite, it's quite a, um, quite a clean, modern by the standards in mm-hmm. which it was. Uh, by the time when the episode was made, um, it seems like a sort of comfortable upper middle class kind of living yeah. room, uh, flat kind kind of and, affair. And obviously. The father cares for the daughter oh, yeah, because definitely. obviously he's spoken to doctors in trying to yeah. help her yeah. in this sort yeah. of mental fugue she seems to go yeah. into. Yeah. So yeah, so he's sort of stood in the kitchen area having a having a quiet cup of tea and a chat with Doctor Moon, and meanwhile, you know, oblivious to this phone that is mm. is ringing. So yeah. So then the doctor appears on her television. Yeah, but again, only she seems capable of seeing it. Yeah, and it panics her somewhat. Yes, yeah. and then back in the library, the doctor tries to look inside River's book. River's got a little book. Uh huh. It does it intentionally look like the TARDIS? It does. Yeah. Yeah, and he's obviously latched onto this fact that she knows him, but she says he's not allowed and. It's sort of the catchphrase of the episode. She says, spoilers. spoilers. Yeah. yeah. So no spoilers. You're not allowed to look at this information from the future. Yeah. So, so yeah, because she, she, she sort of sits there and she's like, she's trying to sort of synchronise. Because she doesn't necessarily realise it. At first, she tries to rationalise that the, the Doctor maybe has his reasons for not publicly seeming to recognise her. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so she's like, she sits down and says, okay, well, um, come on, let's synchronise him. So I was flipping through, like, you know, have we done Crash of the Byzantium? Have we done mm-hmm. Picnic at Asgard? So that's reading off these fantastical-sounding adventures that we've not seen, because mm-hmm. the Doctor hasn't done them yet. Um, and uh, it, it's only through that moment in that conversation that she realises that this is the youngest she's ever seen him, and therefore... This is their first meeting from his perspective. Yeah. 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 So the girl starts playing with the TV remote, maybe trying to reaccess communication with the doctor. Yeah. But doing so causes mayhem in the library. Books yeah. start flying around, the lights go off. Yeah. And this is the first time we're properly introduced to Miss Evangelista. Yes. Yeah. And I've just put she is very thick. Yeah. That's so her thing. She is Statman Lux's assistant. Mm-hmm. She's very beautiful, mm-hmm. but very thick. Yes. And she worries that she's perceived as thick. Yeah. 
I mean, rightly so, because she's yeah, she is. incredibly thick. But it's like her big hang-up is yeah. that everyone thinks she's yeah. intellectually yeah. inferior. Yeah. So, and she starts... Uh, um, Lux... Is this when Lux asks them to, her to hand out contracts to... The Doctor, doctor and, and Donna. Donna um, to sort of say, obviously, that their experiences here are basically the rights of the, the Lux Corporation. They're not able to... Mm-hmm. Uh, publicly talk about it elsewhere to which they obviously blithely tear the contract in half so so the reason she's sort of focused on here yeah is the doctor once he's torn the contract up starts talking about how there were 4022 people saved 100 years ago yeah but there were no survivors yeah whilst he's trying to get his head around that and the girl is playing with the remote control. Yeah. The door opens behind the party. Yeah. Miss Evangelista walks through it. Yes. Yeah, she's and sick. by the time everyone hears her scream, she is a skeleton. Yes. But not just a skeleton. Mm. She's also a data ghost. Yeah. Now, how did you find this scene? Um, where you Because to, to, to paint the picture, she's... Her... her spacesuit is mostly torn to shreds but there's a little uh, all the spacesuits have a little bar of like green lights which mm-hmm. is like their communication relay and as uh, River Song explains it's like a neural interface mm-hmm. with the community so you can send what they call thought mail uh, so as a result there's basically a shadow a ghost copy of her consciousness that is temporarily stored Mm -hmm. in this uh, communication device so we actually hear her voice kind of from beyond the grave effectively yeah and the longer she exists as a data ghost the less communicative she becomes so she's able to start a conversation with Donna Donna you know sort of puts her Mind at rest. Yes, yeah, she asked for the nice lady because they've had a little in, uh, uh, had a little uh, moment together, and yeah. you know Donna being obviously what she is quite a yes, she can be bullshit, but she she also has quite a soft side to her um, that we you know we've seen before. Um, so she was kind of the only person treating her as a sympathetic human being because like the rest of the crew had been already fed up of her because they you know <laughs> spent. However long, you know, how how did you feel about it? Were you annoyed? Were you sympathetic? What to this scene? Well, um, just to the character in general prior to her death. I mean, I can understand why if you had to share close quarters with her for a long period of time, you would be driven up the wall by her. Mm. But I think this is a a brilliant scene, and I cried. Really, I cried watching. It. I think it is so effective. Um, and it's not the first time I've cried at that scene either. I think it's just there is something so eerie and so sad, and mm. the the way Morrigold's score interweaves with the the performances and the editing. Oh my god! I don't know. It just it it really hits me that scene. So eventually, her light goes out. Yeah, and we lose her. So the Doctor again asks River who she is to him, mm-hmm. and she just simply refuses to speak to him yeah but back with the little girl dr moon has appeared again mm-hmm. and 
Dr. Moon, being the psychiatrist, tells her that the real world is a lie and the library is real and only she can save them. God, I love that scene. Because the, the way he plays it out, it, it, it's like he says, look, there are, as you know, there are two worlds. There's, there's the real world and the world of nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> and what I'm you is, your nightmares are real, but the real world is a lie. My, my head was spinning at oh. this point because they've given so little away yeah. that I still didn't know whether I trusted Dr. Moon, even yeah. though he's telling us what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Like, absolutely anything could have been happening. Yeah, at this point. yeah. Oh, God, that's a brilliant little twist, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, even though he is telling the truth, it really does throw you. Yeah, because it's a horrifying thing to think, to think, yeah. to think about. Imagine someone saying that to you with absolute conviction and sincerity. Mm. Yes, the world you believe exists. It's, I mean, it's, it's like the Matrix or something, isn't it? It's, you yeah. know, saying just like, you know. Yeah, this is a fabrication. I had a weird nightmare last night. Yeah. I, I've been watching Peaky Blinders. All right, yeah. I hear good things. I've not it, watched it. It is really, really good. Me and my wife have been watching it. And I think I watched it a little bit too soon to go into bed. Uh-huh. And I just had a nightmare where a guy was trying to break into my dad's van. My dad's a mechanic. Uh-huh. So the rest of the dream was just me and my dad pummeling this guy but like knowing it was the wrong thing to do like you know you don't two wrongs don't make a right yeah but i just had this woke up in this horrible mood that like me and my dad had beaten a man to death (laughs) so yeah imagine if that was the real world yeah exactly (laughs) so we find out back with the doctor that the message he received on the psychic paper was from river yes he, she'd sent it, but he received it too early. Yes. So this yeah. is your classic, oh no, the TARDIS is a bit wonky and it's yeah. gone off track. So the message was sent, it was intended for the doctor she knew that yeah. is this sort of heroic superhero type character. Yeah, yeah, she sort of talks about how, like, you know, oh, he can... Uh, open the TARDIS with a click of his fingers. Yeah. And, you know, and the doctor just goes, yeah. well, that's not how the TARDIS works. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah she, she's she got an idealistic vision of the doctor. Yeah. And there's almost a worry from the doctor that that's not who he is. Yeah. That he's yeah. not going to live up to those expectations. No, no, no. He's And he's kind of like, yeah, where has that come from? So... At this point, Dave has two shadows. Yeah, and this is... Uh, is this uh, proper Dave or other Dave? I think, I it think it's proper Dave. Yeah. And I, again, that's another, another little writing tick that I, I, I love here. It's just... You could... It, the easy thing to do when you're writing a script is to give everyone a different name. Hmm. But we know that people with common names do encounter each other, and yeah. you know, I'm sure you you know other Matts in your life. <laughs> uh, I know other Davids in my life, uh, and so it makes perfect sense that you would end up with an archaeological expedition with two Daves. And I love as well when they're first introducing them, uh, and they're not saying like, "So what's your name?" Uh, and other Dave says, "Oh, I'm Dave." Uh, well, I'm. I'm other Dave because uh, oh, that's proper Dave over there because I'm I love Dave. that following proper Dave's death 
Yeah. They still call other Dave, other Dave, even yeah. though he's ascended yeah. the throne of Daveness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's yeah, lovely bit of business that. But anyway, yeah. So proper Dave, got himself an extra shadow, which isn't good news. But it shouldn't be a problem though, because River has a sonic screwdriver. Oh yes. Yeah. Now this goes back to my big overarching theory for this series. Okay. That the it was a laser screwdriver. That was the master had that was put in a bin. Oh right, yes. Uh, no, it was it was um, the sonic screwdriver owned by Miss Foster. That's right. It's is... the master has a laser one, but yeah. there just was a second sonic screwdriver. So now, do you remember with that episode? I complained quite a lot about the fact that I thought it kind of cheapens the sonic screwdriver. Just anybody can have it. Mm. Um, and so this is the second episode, the second story, this series, where another character has had a sonic screwdriver. But we, I, I would argue it's different though, because yeah. rather than like villain of the week, throwaway villain, yeah, there's there seems to be things going on in the background with River. Yeah, there's some she significance. Seems, yeah, yeah, yeah. She seems to be playing a bigger part. Yeah, and well, the, what that sonic screwdriver does is it it. it backs up her story mm. that she knows the Doctor in the future because he's not going to hand that technology to just anyone mm. but then you're theorising that maybe it's he didn't one. give yeah. it to her maybe she has picked, has up. picked it maybe she's also a time traveller and has you know, just fished it out of that bin <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to be annoyed if we get to the end <laughs> and that one in the bin just does nothing yeah. we'll see yeah, like I'm worried. I'm like justifying everything with this one <laughs> little idea that doesn't even matter. We'll see. We'll see. We'll I get. can't. Yeah, we will. So at this point, because of the presence of the second shadow, the Doctor teleports Donna away to the TARDIS. He gets her out of danger. Yeah, yeah. But when she arrives, she starts screaming and she fades away to nothingness. Yeah. Yeah, not ideal. Yeah, <laughs> especially like because nothing at this point has been explained. I I had no idea what's going on. No, but back to the doctor, and we realise Dave just has one shadow again. Yeah, and everything's fine because mm. you only have one shadow. You only need one shadow. I mean, is that how that works? No, or, because the yeah. second one, the Vashta Narada, is now inside his spacesuit. Yeah, which. Isn't ideal. Yeah, so it's sort of like clumsily controlling him. Yeah. Almost like a zombie. Yeah. Sort of just this shambling skeleton in a spacesuit. Yeah. Because it, it does consume him at this point, doesn't yes. it? Yeah. Because whilst they're escaping and running away, yeah. we find out that River also has the squareness gun. Yeah. Captain Jack's squareness gun. Well, maybe not the exact same one. Who knows? I mean, it may be a different one. It was, you know, we know that those those uh, were forged in the, uh, was it the uh, weapons factories of Villengard? Right. Uh, so, could just be another one from that same uh, institute. Yeah, but they escape. They I, did. I think. Yeah. Does she blast through like one of the bookcases and they yeah, just yeah, run they just, through they just into like, the next chapter? And I, actually, again, I really like the thing because. Obviously, with that squareness gun, 
you're, you're gonna struggle to get it like dead on. So I love the just the visual. If you just got this wonky square hole yeah. like in the middle of a, of a bookcase, and they're just like you know barring through. Meanwhile, they're being pursued by proper David. As I say he's shambling along, and again he's ghosting. Uh-huh. So he's just repeating this phrase over and over again. Hey, who turned out the lights? Yeah. Um, and then they encounter another information node. Yeah. So we cut quickly to Donna. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who has met the little girl? Ah, yes. Yeah. Um, and the little girl tells Donna that she's been saved. So the doctor accesses the information node using River Sonic Screwdriver, and it's at this point he realises it's the same as his own. Yeah. And when he says to the statue, can you look for Donna, it turns round, and it has Donna's face. Yeah. Nightmare. Yeah. It's really horrible, isn't it? And it sort of pans out when you realise they're trapped, entirely encased in shadow, Yeah. and that's where this episode ends. Yeah. Cracking cliffhanger. Yeah, not the worst we've seen. Because yeah. normally the next episode just ends with him punching his way out of whatever problem he's in. Yeah, or just flicking a switch. Like like the, the off switch <laughs> for all of the problems. That yeah. Were, yeah. But I, I, I do like the sense we've just got all these things. Basically, that first episode, Stephen Moffat has just grabbed the craziest balls he can find, mm. thrown them all <laughs> in the air. And just left it there. Yeah. And can you imagine if you were watching this week to week, having to stew for a whole week, yeah, not knowing? Yeah. How I, mean, I watched them back to back. Um, so I probably didn't yeah. get the full effect. Yeah. No. And I, I think that's that's something you do lose doing it uh, that way. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it also works watching most two parters. You can just basically treat them like a film. You know. Yeah. It, yeah. And that works fine. Um. But, yeah, I think it's... We really have just reached that midpoint where all the balls have kind of... They've reached their highest point and he's just gone, chop, see you next week, guys. So, the episode opens with the little girl watching TV and she sees Donna being taken to a hospital. Yeah, yeah. Where she meets Dr. Moon... Yeah, and there's even like I like that there's like sort of cheesy music, like like you're almost watching some kind of soap or, or mm. drama or something. Uh, yeah, and the hospital's called Cal. Yeah, I made a little note of that. It yeah. might be important. I think have we already? I think we may already had one reference to, to Cal. Cal. Um, we we basically see Donna living out her entire life in this little sub world yeah so she meets one of the patients they yeah. go fishing yeah he's got he's got a terrible stutter yes that's right which donna <laughs> and, and yeah donna, donna yeah, yeah she so she sat fishing with it and it's like it's weird like she'll say a thing and then that thing will be happening you know it, it's like it's it's like a montage but a montage where one person is living through the montage in real time and everything <laughs> is just changing around them in, in an instant um, and so she sat there fishing with him and, and trying to have a conversation and she just sort of sighs and says, ah, oh, gorgeous and hardly speaks a word. What am I going to do with you? Cut to, they're married and um, they have some children. Yeah. And she, she's living a, yeah. a pretty full life. Yeah, just a 
perfectly happy, normal, quiet life. So, back in, at home, when Donna is speaking to Dr. Moon, at some point he fades out. The doctor replaces him, yeah. tries communicating with Donna, yes. and fades back outward. Yeah. So, so it's just something weird's going on, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's like, I mean... If because previously we might have thought Doctor Moon is like he somehow managed to infiltrate this, uh, you, know, you know, he is from our world. He somehow managed to infiltrate the, the sort of dream world that the girl is living in. Mm. Uh, but then, if the, the Doctor is able to just kind of transpose himself, you know, like like he's just a signal that he can interfere with, mm. then you know how how does that square with that theory? Yeah, uh, it's it, it's a real mind bending moment. So, back with the Doctor, River tells him that one day she's going to be someone that he trusts completely, but she hasn't got time to wait that long. Yeah. So she whispers something in his ear. Yes. And immediately, he does trust her. Yeah. So, we don't get told what that is at this yeah. point, but... Fury's just like a cheat code, it's just like up, down, left, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's effectively what it does. It just, he, she just hacks the doctor. Yeah. And, and yes. Like, he looks sort of shocked, doesn't he? But yeah. For a few moments, he's just not quite right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then the doctor realises there's a signal from the moon. Mm -hmm. Doctor moon. Well, hey. Uh, and realises that when he uses that signal, yeah. he can see Donna. Yes. So to, to clarify with the Doctor Moon, um, I think it's Lux explains that it's an artificial moon. It's effectively a firewall. Yeah. It's 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 there just to protect the main data core because the, the core of this planet is basically the index of the yes. library. Yeah. Yeah. Because is the library an artificial planet? I don't know whether the, the planet itself is artificial. I think maybe they found the planet, bought it, built the library on it, right. built the core within it, it and then installed yeah. the Doctor Moon. I, I only ask because when we see the core of the planet, yeah. it's not like a planet's core. No, no. I think, I it's say, more I think, like a data core. Yeah, I think it's because they have done that work on it. So, the next of the crew has two shadows now. Yeah. I haven't even written that character's name down. Anita. She, is it Anita? It's Anita. Yeah. She's pretty nondescript. Yeah. Her main thing is that she's American. Yeah. And a bit sarcastic. But. She's nice enough. She's but got a weird American accent. Yeah. Because I think, I think it's just a, a British, British like, uh, trying her hardest. Yeah. So um, Anita now has two shadows. Yeah. But we get Dave appear. Because yeah. I think at this point, do they say, if there's a, if you say there's five of us, why is there six of us? <laughs> yeah, and then you just can't, you see that there's this extra um, person behind them. Yeah. So, back in Donna's dream world, she sees a weird character outside the window. Yeah. And she realises at this point there is no passage of time and nothing really occurs in order. Yeah. I think she suggests something to her husband and immediately they're, they're there. Yeah, she's starting to get suspicious. So she gets a letter through the doll that yeah. says the world is wrong and it's inviting her to meet someone. Yeah, and at when, the park. And when she gets to the park, 
it's, seconds later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's what's left of Miss Evangelista. Yeah. So I say what's left because she's wearing, she's like she's wearing like a sort of almost like a, a funeral dress and, yes. a, and a black veil. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. It's not quite right. Yes. I don't know. We don't get the reveal quite yet of what is under the veil, do we? No, no. no. So at this point, back with the doctor when he's been chased by the swarm of shadows, he asks them what they want. Where did they come from? Yes, because he, he's uh, so he's talking to the ones that now have taken over Proper Dave's suit, mm-hmm. and it's, it's you know they've got the hang of walking, and now he's asking them to sort of tap into the neural relay. So they're essentially stealing Proper Dave's voice, yeah, in order to communicate with the Doctor. And they say we didn't come here; we come from here. Yeah. And we work out that the forests that they exist in were pulped into books. Because there's a million, million books. Yes, all and, and it's worth remembering at the very start of the episode. The Doctor says these are all specially printed editions, so mm. they're like facsimile editions of every book ever made for the library. Yes, um, you know they're not just they've not just like bought a standard copy off the shelf. So they were all kind of produced on this one planet, which they you know forested. So those books that were pulled contained spores. Uh huh. And just as the two, I don't know what to call them, like shadow zombies, yes, swipe for the Doctor, he uses the sonic screwdriver through the floor yeah. and escapes. Now, back with Donna and Miss Evangelista, the reason they've met at the park is because Miss Evangelista points out that all the children that exist in this world yeah. are just the same, same. two children replicated so mm-hmm. donna and her husband have a little boy little girl yeah but when you look around the park and there's more than one yeah so there's ones on the swings there's ones on the slide there's ones on the roundabout but they're all identical they're all the same boy and girl just repeated again and again and that can i say the editing in that when you know that that's the reveal is coming the editing in that moment is flawless because if you're really eagle-eyed there are opportunities to spot that in advance, mm. I think, but nobody would. No, because I, I bet, I'm assuming you didn't. No, but but yeah, you you will find like they're sat at the bench and like you can see the little boy on the seesaw, but then you'll just see his hat like running in the front, <laughs> and, but it's the exact same hat and it's so like it's there. Mm. You get, but they've kind of shot around it in a subtle way, so you know it. Yeah, just again, masterful bit of direction. Well, it is generally a very well directed episode, I think. It is at this point that Miss Evangelista pulls back her veil. Yeah. And we realise that she is corrupted. Yes. So. I I don't really know how to explain it, other than. She's she's like. Her face is disfigured. Mm. But it's disfigured in a completely non-biological way. It's just like yes. it's warped. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and as she says, this corruption, it's 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 altered her her appearance. But it's as she says, done wonders for her IQ. She thinks maybe a decimal point <laughs> slipped or something. Yeah. So in the process of being transferred into this uh, world, she's become 
a different a, a different version of herself, an intelligent yeah. version of Rather herself. Rather than beautiful and stupid, she's yeah. now disfigured, but really clever. Yes. So, she... Uh, sorry. So, back with River and the Doctor. River tells the Doctor of all his adventures and without spoiling how they know one another yeah tells him that he does magnificent things yeah and the doctor at this point realizes that the message earlier so from the previous episode yeah said that they the 4022 people were saved not safe yeah he realizes nobody talks like that they've been saved as files yes. so when they were evacuating the planet the teleporter wasn't working correctly it had nowhere to send them so much like an email that doesn't send it saves a backup copy yeah. for when it can send yes so these yeah. 4022 people exist now as files yes that have been saved yeah so evangelista then that's the explanation that her file was corrupted yeah and she tells donna that there's one word of truth cow so we've got these nods towards Cal. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be We've seen it on, big... on like display screens and, and yeah. stuff. So, yeah. That's going to be the revelation. We need to find out Cal. What is Cal? Yes. So this maddens the girl who's back in her living room. Yeah. She's like saying, stop it. You're ruining everything, doesn't she? Yeah. She's so like... she deletes her dad. Yeah. She's like, again, she's got the TV remote. She's frantically mashing at buttons. And yeah, accidentally just wipes her dad yeah <laughs> and then deletes Dr. Moon yeah so the Doctor River and their team realise they need to get to Cal yeah. at the centre of the planet is she not she's also like set off alarms and stuff at this point isn't it? like the, 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 the library seems to be going haywire yeah it's all falling like, apart yeah um, Donna's children vanish we get a nice little emotional scene where Donna has a full-blown breakdown just at the idea horrible, that A, it? her children aren't real, and yeah. B, they just don't exist anymore yeah. anyway. I don't want to sound like... I know, I know what how this comes across to people who don't have children and who are probably sick of people saying, oh, you don't want to know what it's like. But as a new father who is... And I've, you know, I've watched this story countless times mm -hmm. before becoming a father that scene has never hit me harder really god it really it's before i was just like oh god that's awful and isn't donna doing a, isn't uh catherine Tate doing a fantastic performance really selling the emotion of this moment but uh the other day watching it I, it was just visceral gut punch horror it just really hit me on a level it never had before so this is now the part of the episode that I didn't think was that great. Okay. And the yeah. reason I didn't is because I feel like we've seen this before. Okay, yeah. At least half a dozen times. So when they get to the core of the planet, yeah, there's one of these statues, and it has the little girl's face on it. Yes. And that little girl is Cal. Yeah. Charlotte Abigail Lux. Yes. And she is Statman Lux's auntie, I believe. Yes, who yeah. Who was ill... So his grandfather built the library so that she would ha have every book ever yeah. to occupy yeah. it. So basically they were, they were this insanely wealthy family, but they couldn't they couldn't like save her but, through 
medical beings. I, I just feel beings. every time somebody is introduced yeah. and they have a family with some sort of dynasty or history, yeah. it's always going to be the big revelation. We had it in yeah. Titanic or whatever that one was called. Yeah. And I don't know, I just felt a bit unfulfilled by that. Okay, yeah, I mean... It's just like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It could have been something really interesting, but it's just like, yeah. I know, it fits at the end of the day. I feel I don't feel like... For it, me, it, like, I'd be more annoyed by it if I felt like it was something that Stephen Moffat had just pulled out his ass at the end. But he had... We start with that image of the little girl mm. and that connection to the library. I feel like he started with this idea that this was his plan all along to to, to that this is what the reveal was going to be it's not just something like he wrote this cool idea for an episode and was like oh I've got to I've got to tie it up somehow uh, let's say that she's um, you know some relative so I, I don't know it works for me I don't think it's I don't think it's impactful but then again I don't think it necessarily needs to be impactful I think what it does do is provide a satisfying explanation for all of the insanity that we have witnessed mm. over yeah. the course of these two episodes. And I think without... If you don't have a conclusion that feels like it makes sense, then it's hard to justify all the craziness. In the same way that... Imagine... Uh, his episode from Series 2, The Girl in the Fireplace. Imagine that exact same episode, but without the reveal at the end that the name of the ship was the SS Madame de Pompadour. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because th then you've got all this craziness, but then no satisfactory... No tie up. Of, of why her. So in the same way, is that why is there this little girl that is somehow connected to this library? You, know, you, 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 have, to, you have to forge that final link in the, in the chain, I feel like. So, so yeah. in order to bring everyone back... The doctor says he's going to hook his memory up to the computer and pull everyone out of her brain. Yeah, because he basically doesn't have the processing power to, to do it. All he can do is, you know... And he says that he will give back the forests Yeah. so they can have the library in yes. exchange for the dead. So yes. if he can bring these people back, they'll abandon the library. Yeah. And that's the, the, yeah, that's the negotiation he makes. Yeah. Except when he goes to hook himself into the computer, River just punches him out and takes his place. <laughs> yes. And that's why he gave her his sonic screwdriver. So, okay, so she could reach this point. Well, kind of. So, so, the, the doc so yeah, the, the, um, she doesn't want to let the Doctor sacrifice himself. Mm -hmm. And also, I suppose, knows that it can't end that way. Yeah, because if he dies now, yeah. they'll never meet yes. in his future. Yeah. And because she says, you know, this, you, you don't think you're necessarily going to regenerate from that because it's, you know, mm. some big stuff. So, so yeah, so she makes the decision that it's got to be her who sacrifices herself. And so he, the doctor comes to, he's handcuffed to a pipe. <laughs> says the river, how have you got handcuffs? To which she says, Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, so I think at this moment he he watches it happen, doesn't he? He watches her go out in yeah. blaze of glory. The people come back, but but you know at the expense of losing her. Yeah. 
Um, and then, so yeah, then he's kind of, he's about to kind of call it a day, isn't he? He's got Donna back. I'm about to wander off and suddenly he says, why did I give her my screwdriver? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, he can't, that's the one penny that hasn't dropped yet. And it's plaguing him. So, the reason why is, it turns out the thing she whispered in his ear was the doctor's true name. Yeah. So that ensured that trust. Yes. And therefore, when he opens his sonic screwdriver, it realises that it's got her little data ghost. Yes. Now inside it. Yes. So he's managed to preserve part of her. Yeah. So, obviously realising at some point she'll be very important to him, yeah. he places her data ghost back into this Cal yeah. dream world. Yeah, and it's, and it's a really dramatic moment as well because, like, you know, it's doing the thing where well, we've seen it multiple times with the other people that have died. It's like, it's almost like a battery indicator. Yeah. It's getting lower and lower. You've got, like, four lights and it's down to two and the second one's flickering. And, yeah. like, you know, like, this is a race against time. And so he goes... And like they, before, when they'd gone to the data to the core of the planet, there there was like this gentle like elevator gravity platform they call it that gently mm. lowers it down, and it's like oh sorry, don't have time. Sonics it disables the gravity platform and just goes shooting down into the center of the thing, and so it's a really big dramatic moment. And yeah, so manages to get there just in the nick of time, transfers her in, and uh, so now she lives in the Cal Dreamworld yeah. Hospital. Yeah, and and Cal, as a special favour, says, I've got some friends for you, mm. and sort of manifests the rest of her crew. Yeah. And they have a lovely little hug. How, how would that work? Because their data ghosts went out. We don't know what Cal was doing. Yeah. She might have been trying to save them exactly the same way that she saved all the other people when the initial hatching took place. Because Miss Evangelista is there, but she's like fixed now. Yeah. But she doesn't seem stupid anymore. She seems beautiful and. Well, maybe she she throw her a bone. Mm. Like a nice her like that. Yeah. You got to give her one hand, take away with the other. Can't <laughs> be smart and beautiful. And then we reach the very final shot of this episode, mm-hmm. where the Doctor returns to the TARDIS, stands in front of it, stares at his hand. Snaps his fingers. Gives the click of the fingers yeah. and the doors open. So it turns out it does work like that. Pretty cool moment, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So on the whole, I'd say pretty good episode. Pretty solid. Yeah. Like I say, it was just that one aspect. Yeah, you I thought had. it was just a bit, bit of a pat. Yeah, just uh, we've solution. seen that before and just a bit unfulfilling. I guess, but I don't know. From my perspective as a writer, you know, occasional writer, um, endings are hard. Mm. My goodness, endings are hard. It's very easy having cool ideas, but then actually resolving them. You just wake up and it's all a dream. (laughs) I mean, in some ways, it's kind of what happened. (laughs) Is it on The Simpsons where it's just like, and Poochie returned to his home planet? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah, no, it's a really, really solid two-parter, I think. I would say best episodes we've seen so far this Probably, series yeah. um, and for me that's saying something because I think there's been lots of really solid ones mm. um, but yeah again I mean as far as I'm concerned Stephen Moffat is four for four mm. every episode every series that he's yeah I, he's he, done he, okay he, so yeah, he brings the goods so um, 
yeah thanks very much for listening everyone uh next week we are going to be discussing a little episode called midnight mm. so join us for that until then cheerio bye now If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who.